Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James, this week. I'm going to throw it over to Jake, first of all, who's going to take us through the results and roundup of last week's game. Yeah, thanks, James. Um, we'll start with uh, the Saturday games, of which most of them were played. Uh, Leeds won the early kick of 4-0 uh, against Hull. Luton and Stoke played out a one-all draw. Luton getting a late equaliser on that one. Millwall and Bristol City playing out a one-all draw as well. QPR and Birmingham um, drawing 2 all at QPR. West Brom, uh, in a surprise result, I'm sure we'll talk about this one, losing at home to Wigan 1-0. Derby going away and beating Sheffield Wednesday 3-1 as Sheffield Wednesday continued to fall down the table. Blackburn and Swansea drew 2-all. Cardiff and Brentford also drew 2-all in what was a popular scoreline in the league this week, 3-2-alls. Fulham beat Preston 2-0, which I'm sure you might want to speak about a little bit. Huddersfield beat Charlton 4-0. And Reading beat Barnsley 2-0. And then on Monday, Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest played out a 2 all draw. Yeah, I'll touch on the Fulham one, first of all. I thought we played pretty well, to be honest, considering after the the week we'd had beforehand where we had a home defeat to Millwall, which gave us a surprise. We had one of the best home records in the league. And then the West Brom game in midweek, I thought was always going to be difficult. I'd didn't really feel getting much from the game. I would have been happy with a draw, but sort of on the balance of playing that West Brom game, you know, fair result and no complaints from me. The Fulham game, we the first half now especially, we were the better team. We we sort of played them off the park at times, which really did surprise me when I saw the team sheet and saw that Ben Pearson was out and it turns out he's gonna be out for a month, which, you know, could be huge for our playoff campaign. Thankfully this month we've got an easier run of games, sort of in, in quotes, than, than we have had in recent weeks with the likes of playing West Brom and Fulham, for example. So hopefully we don't miss him too much. But yeah, to go back to that Fulham game, first half an hour, I think we should have been, you know, a couple of goals up at least. I, I think most Fulham fans would have agreed with that. Brad Potts and Alan Brown had, you know, really good chances that on another day they would have took those and we would be, you know, 2 0 up and, and would have made it a much easier game. But I think at the end of the day, um, the quality just told for Fulham. Obviously, unlucky for Nugent to score that own goal midway through the second half. And then Kamara's goal right at the end was purely down to the fact that we had more or less everyone bar the keeper up for a corner and they, they hit us on the counter-attack. So, disappointing to lose. The silver lining with that, though, is everyone around us again dropped points. So, you know, you can see it on one end of the missed opportunity. This last uh, sort of three games where we've lost all three of them. If we'd have won, say, two of those, we'd be, you know, third or fourth at the moment. But still in the playoffs, two points clear of Bristol in seventh. And, you know, with the fixtures easing off a little bit now, I think we can uh, definitely get back to winning ways. Going then into the rest of the games, there was a few that stood out for me. Um, I think the Huddersfield win against Charlton 
4-0 at home was fantastic for them. Obviously, we touched on Huddersfield last time. I think me and you were on, Jake, saying that they were still looking over their shoulders a little bit. Obviously, four points clear of the relegation zone. They're not safe by any means, but winning those games, as we said at the time, against teams around them is absolutely massive. And that 4-0 win as well as the mega goal difference, you know, a lot of favours there, you know, right back in and amongst the, the rest of the teams around them in terms of goal difference now. I think they're one or two either side of most teams. So that, you know, come the end of the season with how tight it is, could be worth an extra point and that could be a pivotal game for, for Huddersfield if they are to stay up. Another one which stood out for me, obviously quite an easy one, Wigan going away to West Brom and, and picking up a win. Very surprised that West Brom didn't pick up anything from that game. Obviously, Wigan had been on a, a decent-ish run, you know, picking up points here and there and, and climbing away from the relegation zone. But a West Brom team that, you know, more or less full strength, you would have expected them to, to easily brush aside a Wigan team that are near the foot or near the relegation zone in the table. So really surprised with that one and makes it all the more frustrating that, you know, Wigan can go there and, and get something from the Hawthorns and we were unable to for a team chasing the playoffs um, with, you know, more quality than Wigan this season. So really surprised by that one. Final one which stood out for me before I, uh, I asked you, Jake, was the, the Brentford-Cardiff game. Maybe a little bit of a surprise, but I think what sort of stood out for me was, and again, I go back to when we were last on, Jake, we touched on Brentford about how on their day they're absolutely fantastic, but it's that consistency that they lack that over the last few years has really cost them. And, you know, to be 2-0 up away from home for a team that have been in and around, you know, the top two, three for the majority of this season, not to be able to hold on and concede two goals before half-time, let alone later in the game, and come away from that game, you know, wondering how they didn't hold on. Um, very surprising from them, but obviously we've come to expect that from Brentford, but I thought this season with the way they've been playing, they had got over that little sort of mental sort of mindset that they've had where they have, you know, been inconsistent at times and very surprising that they did surrender that two-goal lead, especially with everyone around them dropping points as well. I thought real sort of missed opportunity for Brentford. Um, I'll get on to my individual players sort of shortly, but are there any games that stood out for you in particular, Jake, before we move on to that? Yeah, I think you've covered a lot of them. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the Monday game, um, which was Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest. It was a two-all draw, not, uh, Forest taking the lead, then Middlesbrough getting 2-1 up, and then Forest getting an equalised through uh, Lewis Graben. So it was quite an entertaining game, and I think it was quite a crucial one for Mid- Middlesbrough. Um, Woodgate is one of those managers that's been under pressure for a while now. They're now in the relegation zone um, on on 38 points. But I think it's key for them to, to not only get a get something from the game, but to have a performance that they can really take on. Um, and I think they had that. I thought they played really well, uh, looked good in possession. Um, they're working hard for Woodgate. It was, it was a good performance against a good Forest team that have been quite good recently. Um, only lost one in the last six now for us, so it wasn't going to be an easy game for Middlesbrough, but they managed to, to get something from it, and I think that will give them confidence going forward. Um, and for Forrest as well, it's it kind of a missed opportunity. They could have went up to 61 points, uh, closed the gap or, on the teams above them. They failed to do that. And it's just really interesting when you look sort of from um, from Forrest in fourth down to, I guess you'd say, Cardiff in 11, four teams that are fighting for the playoffs or teams that a couple of them might want to push on and challenge at the top Brentford being one of those and in it between Forest and 
in Cardiff, only one of those teams has won three of their last six, James. Do you know who that is? If I was hazarding a guess, I'd say Preston. It I is think we Preston. Were little, it is Preston. A little bit of a run before those three defeats. Yeah, it was Preston. So it, it, it's crazy that all those teams going into the running um, are fighting for the playoffs, and they've only they've not really been putting a, a run of results together. They all seem to be stuttering, um, which is why Preston remain in the playoffs despite those uh, two defeats. But uh, I think that's a missed opportunity for Forest, um, but it was a big one for Middlesbrough um, to to not lose again they'd lost three or four they lost five before that and it was starting to get a little bit touchy they're obviously going to need wins if they're going to pull away from it uh, and get out of the relegation zone again but it it was it was a step in a positive direction for me yeah i completely agree with you um middle uh, looking at them in the table this season they haven't lost too many games sort of looking at, at how they compare to teams and then around them in the table the real sort of downfall for them this season is the amount of draws that they've had you know 14 draws and only 14 defeats I think there's only in the bottom half of the tables if you look sort of 12 downwards I think there's only Derby and Birmingham who've lost sort of fewer uh, sorry fewer games than them everyone else has lost a lot more than them and you know for for them to be down where they are they need to start turning some of those draws into wins obviously fantastic to get a point against Nottingham Forest who are fourth at the moment you know could have closed the gap on the top two but it seems like a bit of a missed opportunity especially to go to one fight back from a goal down and and end up you know getting a draw out of that must be a little bit sort of disappointing for Birmingham um, moving then into sort of individual performances of the weekend there was a couple that stood out for me first of all to go back to the field game which I touched on first of all um, I thought Grant up front for them was absolutely fantastic you know he got a goal that really set the tone midway through the first half and then finished it up with one of the, the two late goals that they did get as Charlton were trying to get back into the game every time Huddersfield seemed to do well this season he's been you know at the, the focal of it I think he's got a goal every other game in the league this season I think it's 16 in 32 or 33 off the top of my head without checking the, the, sort of the exact stats so for a team that have struggled in the league this season, you know, he's been one of their shining lights so far. And I think if obviously Huddersfield won't be going up, but I think they will do sort of very well to keep hold of him in the summer. He seems to know where the back of the net is and score, you know, 16, getting on for 20 goals in a team that are struggling near the bottom of the table is, is fantastic. And another two goals for him at the weekend was, you know, credit to how well he's been playing individually. Another that stood out for me and a player that we've covered quite a bit on the, the pod this season was Tom Lawrence for Derby. He got a brace as well, two in the first half. Derby were three 0 up at half time and you know, he really set the tempo for, for how they played in that first half. Chris Martin as well, um deserves a mention getting all three assists, uh, for those first three Derby goals. But I thought Tom Lawrence obviously everyone knows his off the field um sort of problems this season. But the way he's bounced back since then um, looking at it purely from a football standpoint, you know, he's been sort of fantastic since he's come back. And if Derby are to, you know, kind of pull back towards the playoffs, I think obviously they've left them a little bit too much to do between now and the end of the season. Keeping him fit and playing the way he is doing is going to be, you know, one of the driving forces if they are to get back up there and have a strong end to the season. But they were the two that stood out for me. Um, I'd imagine you've got sort of others in mind, Jake, so I'll go over to you for, for your two. Yeah, I've got a, f- a few others that you didn't mention. Um, uh, going to the Leeds game, although they were against Hull, we've been pretty poor recently. I thought they could have picked 
any one of about eight players in that game to have played well. Um, Hernandez looks back to his best. He got a goal and an assist. A few other nice chances and good play from him throughout. Harrison had a good game, despite not really um, getting on the score sheet. He was just a constant threat um, down the left wing. Um, the, the only player that didn't play well for Wolves was Patrick Bamford, and his, his place and size is really going to come under threat now because the player that came on and replaced him off the bench, Tyler Roberts, got a brace. Um, and, and really took his chance, and, and I'm sure he's going to be one that, that gets a few more minutes going forward. They've obviously still got um, Augustin not playing, um, and Pervader as well. So they've got got a few players there that might come in for the run. It seems strange that Leeds did that business and uh, haven't really used either player, um, but maybe we'll see them in, in the next few weeks. I thought um, in the Reading game, Mate was good again. He seems to have had a really good season for Reading. Um, just... He's just a constant threat when I see him. He seems to blow a little bit hot and cold, but I think he's quite an entertaining player to watch. And he, he adds um, some directness and some dynamism to that that Reading attack. He's got seven goals now um, in the championship, got four more in cup competitions. So it's definitely been a good season for him. And he had a good game at the weekend, um, good in the air as well, good running with the ball, seems to get a lot of chances. And, and he seems to really be worth persevering with um, for Reading. Um, as they continue to sort of pull away from that that relegation battle, um, but yeah, they were the two main ones for me this weekend. Um... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thought I'd just give a, uh, a, another quick mention as well to. Um, Rudy Gestead for Middlesbrough. Spoke about Middlesbrough a little bit earlier, but thought he had a good game and and he seems seems to be the type of player you'd want in in their current position. Won sixteen aerial duels at the weekend, so yeah, he's gonna. Seems like Middlesbrough are gonna be a little bit more direct, and that will suit him. Yeah, I completely agree with the ones you mentioned there. I think you mentioned Roberts there for Leeds taking his chance. We had that on in the the pub before we went for the Fulham game, and you know the game completely changed when he came in Leeds this season. Patrick Bamford has been a bit hit and miss, so. As you mentioned there, I think definitely his place will be a bit under threat now and, and Robert seemed to have took his chance, you know, fantastically well. Moving on then to obviously two main topics that we're going to cover sort of this week. First of all, I'll sort of go to you first of all on it, Jake. Obviously, talking about the salary cap, which, you know, has been proposed in the EFL, 20 million salary cap. Obviously, being a Newcastle fan yourself, it'd be good to get sort of your perspective on it. For a, a club coming down from the Premier League, obviously, Premier League, you can afford to pay players a lot more money. A lot of teams that come down from the Premier League, we've seen it in the past. Newcastle, for example, have you know kept that 
core of their squad together from the Premier League and almost bounce back straight away the next season. From a sort of a Premier League standpoint, do you think that the salary cap then coming down into the the FL is sort of what's needed, or do you think that it does limit clubs' ability to you know get back up at, at the first try and then leave them with you know larger financial debt sort of over the next several years once the parachute payments stop? Um, I think it's a difficult one. I think there's definitely they definitely need to do work to try and. Um sort of manage the finances of Premier League clubs because it's, it's just going to continue to grow um, and it can it could lead to some sort of inequality in the championship uh, over time I don't think it's going to be instant but it could and the difficulty being is that yeah, how it's, it's going to be a difficult one to set because if a say if um, West Ham get relegated this season they're going to have a very big wage bill and I'm sure there's some sort of clauses to, to reduce that if when players go um, when the club goes down if if that does happen players wages will decrease but even so they've still got multiple internationals players that have cost upwards of 25 30 million that's going to carry wages and can you really enforce a, a, a wage um a salary cap on a club coming down it would be quite restrictive um in just keeping hold of players let alone bringing players in uh, and just cause all sort of headaches i think that clubs clubs by design, will want to decrease their wage budget if they do get relegated because it's not sustainable to be paying that much money in the championship. We've seen what it can do, um, the FFP regulations, how it can affect them in the long term, just the, the effect it will have on your club's finances. It's it's, it's not a good thing um, to happen. Therefore, I think that clubs want to, to lower their wage bill by design. I don't think they need regulations to enforce them to do that. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. It, it's not. I'm not sure it's something that I like. To be honest, I think that just the amount of money you have in the Premier League to to then drop down is going to be so difficult to manage that. In in how you would force a, a, a team to adhere to, to regulation so quickly after a relegation, it's, it's going to be something that takes time. And we've seen Middlesbrough slowly uh, lowered their wage bill over time. I think West Brom this um, this summer we saw a few more of their big earning earners go out the door. Um, and it, you know they're a little bit more sensible in what they were doing recruitment wise. I think it's just it it, it will just happen. Um, so I don't think it's something that needs to be forced. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of of not enforcing it. Looking at obviously on Twitter, there was a, a Twitter account I found the other day, which is you know really sort of eye opening and and quite interesting. Really, um, I think the the, the guy's called Kieran Maguire, which is, I think he's at his price of football and I was looking at the wages to income percent for last year in the championship and quite surprisingly I always thought of Preston sort of to use my own example obviously I've not had the luxury of, of seeing my team in the Premier League and having those big wages and and coming back down but you know our wages to income percent for last year was 143 percent which shows just how much you know wages do come into it i think our wages for last year was only about nine thousand pound per week when you look at aston villa up at thirty three thousand per week so you know getting on for four times what we pay in wages per week so even then that still falls under the the 20 million threshold for the for the salary cap you know if that's going to include sort of staff as well as playing staff so i do think obviously there is a, a an onus on club to get the wage bills down at the moment, obviously, especially in the championship, not getting the, 
the luxury of the, the TV money, for example, that you get in the Premiership. And I think you hit the nail on the head by saying it is a gradual process. You can't just be expected straight away overnight to reduce the salary cap, especially when you've got players on, you know, three, four, five-year deals. You can't overnight, without having something written for their contracts already, tell them that they're they're taking a, a cut in their wages, you know, um, I think sort of all hell would break loose if, if that happened, especially when players have signed on for these, you know, long-term contracts. So definitely I think it would be hard to regulate. I think there should be maybe not a, a salary cap, but a, a gradual sort of system in effect where when you come down, you have to reduce it by X amount each year to fall in line with financial fair play and, and what you're turning over as a club when you are down in the championship. But I think definitely, you know, overnight, it is quite hard to, to adjust to that. And obviously, as I sort of touched on at the start, if you are limiting clubs to do that, it does create sort of a whole headache then of a club trying to bounce back straight in the way into the Premiership. If they get back up straight away in the premier, into the Premiership, obviously you're going to have that extra income which will subsidise the salary. And, and if you are capping that salary, you know, you could have a big club there that struggles to pay, afford to pay for other things. So I think it will be a hard one to govern, but... I think something does need to be done in terms of, you know, making clubs more financially stable and, and obviously I'm no money expert, but I think introducing a salary cap immediately would probably be the wrong the wrong way to go about it. Um, moving on, on to the second topic, which as we were sort of planning this show this week, uh, it's sort of an interesting rumour broke today in Build, which is a, a German sports um, sort of publisher, a rumour about Jude Bellingham, the 16-year-old at Birmingham City. Obviously heavily linked with Manchester United in the January transfer window. He's played, you know, around about 30 games for Birmingham this season and really burst onto the scene. Local lad, done fantastically well and got a handful of goals as well in the Championship. Big rumours sort of coming out that he's on the verge of signing for Borussia Dortmund for around about 30 to 35 million. Um, what do you make of that, Jake? For a 16-year-old and especially... Going to Germany as well, I've obviously got my own opinion on it, but it'd be interesting to get yours as someone who maybe doesn't follow the Bundesliga as much as I do. Do you see that as a good move for him? And do you think that the the price tag which has been discussed at the moment is sort of a good thing? Or do you think it sort of adds far too much pressure for a player that is only 16 years old at the moment? Um yeah, started on the, the price tag. I think that it's inevitable that a player that's playing regularly in, in the that English second tier at the age of 16 and having the, the impact he's having um, is going to go for a big fee. Like Birmingham would be stupid to go for anything less than that. Um, I think Dortmund would be able to get him for a slightly cheaper price than a Premier League club would. Also read that, that it's not might not even be guaranteed that they'd get such a big transfer fee as the registration and the ways that, that foreign clubs can buy an English player is slightly different. So it might even be a, a compensation type of re, uh, agreement like they did with Manchester City for Sancho, but that's still murky waters in that regard. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I'm sure Birmingham would get a good fee regardless. And I think that for him, it probably makes a lot of sense. Um, he's seen what you know how often players have been given a chance in the Bundesliga, Dortmund especially. Um not Jaden Sancho is the obvious one. He's come from England, um, not playing much at Manchester City at all, but playing in, in youth leagues. And he got given a chance straight away in the first team in his first year there. Slowly got um, brought into the team. It wasn't a rushed thing. It, he obviously, they, 
they brought him in in the right way and now he's having an impact on games at the highest level um, and he's probably going to have his pick of Premier League clubs in the summer and go to that Premier League club and be a regular starter so it's not so it, it, it it's definitely worked for Sancho and it's not only Sancho um, you probably know a little bit more than me James but there's a lot of other players that have been given a chance by Dortmund um, you know you look at that Pulisic now at Chelsea got given a chance at a young age at Dortmund um, you got um, Gio Reyna now getting a chance uh, in the first team obviously had an impact in the Champions League uh, game against PSG a few weeks ago um, and he scored a few times for the first team already at such a young age um, and there's been countless others that get given a chance maybe some of them haven't had the impact that those three that I've just mentioned have but Berling would definitely back himself to have that sort of impact and he knows that it won't be rushed there but he's at a team that will develop in the in the right way and will give him a chance to to get that big move once he is at the that sort of Champions League level, which I guess is what he's aspiring to be, and he's definitely got all the talent to beat to do just that. Um, yeah, I've, I've just been so impressed when I've seen him this season. He's he's so composed on the ball. You can see that his talent should be playing at a higher level. He can play centrally, he can play on the wing, he can play fullback. He's very well rounded uh, as a player. Um, and and yeah, I think going to Dortmund would be a, a very good thing for him. I think he'd probably suit the Bundesliga, and I think he'd get he'd get game time next season. Maybe not straight away, but he would get game time. And I think that he'd follow in Sancho's footsteps and be a big success there. Yeah, I completely agree. With you. I think in terms of of going to the Bundesliga, since Jaden Sancho's gone, there's been a whole host of English players that have gone and done really well there and and obviously for English sort of following fans who do look at the Bundesliga there's always that sort of look that quite wrongly in my opinion gets labelled in the Bundesliga as a relatively poor league but you look at the likes of obviously Sancho and how well he's doing and and when he steps into the Champions League the game against Paris Saint-Germain the other week he was arguably the best player on the pitch you know was head and shoulders better than, than Neymar and Mbappe on the night and you know, he's come from a player that wasn't going to looking at City to, you know, a, a world-class talent now. There's the likes of John Joe Kenny playing for Schalke. There's, you know, Ethan Ampadu at Leipzig at the moment and a few others. Reese Oxford's over at Augsburg at the moment and doing well. And, you know, since Sancho has gone, it has opened the way for English players to look beyond just sort of staying in England. I always sort of growing up did think we were sort of the only real country where we didn't have any players with the exception of say like Owen Hargreaves and David Beckham playing abroad. And since Sancho has done that, it really has sort of opened the floodgates for players to, you know, wake up and realize and, and not be content with just sitting in, you know, Premier League reserve teams and occasionally getting a look in. And I think it can only benefit England in the long run as well. And I think Jude Bellingham going to Dortmund, as you mentioned, with their track record of developing players from young ages, Pulisic, Sancho, Gio Reyna, uh, Osman Dembele as well, when he was there for his season, took these relatively unknown quantities and turned them into, you know, world beaters there. For the most part, obviously, Dembele and Pulisic have struggled at, at Barcelona and Chelsea, but the track record for developing players, and even to some extent Erling Haaland, who's just come in and has picked up where he left off for Salzburg and, and looks to be getting better and better each week. So I think... For Bellingham to go to, to Germany, obviously it's a, a big cultural difference first and foremost, which Sancho has adjusted to. I was reading an interview with Bellingham today 
sort of preparing for this and the way he sort of comes across in the interview he does seem very level-headed he doesn't seem to be the the type of player who's in sort of the same mold as say like a, a Rafael Morrison who was quite sort of believed his own height a bit too much and obviously look how his career's turned out I think Bellingham has got his head screwed on he's you know talking in this interview about how first and foremost he's, he's wanting to get his education sorted and he's not wanting to just give all that up so you know for a 16 year old very impressed with sort of how he comes across in an interview and I think to be able to adapt to a, a new country who wants to go to Dortmund and play will only stand him in good stead but I think yeah for Birmingham great money for them if they can you know get sort of say an upfront amount and then maybe add-ons or resells and, and that kind of thing and I think he would do very well at Dortmund and you know as, as someone who follows England as well as sort of league football quite excited to see how he progresses over the next sort of 18 months to two years and you know there's no reason why in a couple of years time he can't be you know in line for the call up for say the next World Cup or the Euros beyond that so I think it'd be a good move for all parties but obviously just have to wait and see what does materialise from that um, so before we wrap up then Jake there's a couple of games I want to preview for the weekend um, first of all Saturday lunchtime kickoff Bristol City against Fulham Bristol just outside the playoffs so I'm hoping here for a Fulham win whether or not that happens or not you know remains to be seen how do you see the game going and who do you expect to give them away with the points in this one yeah, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be an interesting game in terms of the playoffs. I think that Bristol City haven't been great in the last few weeks. I think there's doubts creeping in about Lee Johnson. I think it might be that it's they've been he's been the manager there for too long, um, and it, a time for a change might be at the end of the season, uh, and they might need to bring somebody in that can finally get them over that line because I can't see them finishing the playoffs on current form. Um, only taken one point from the last four. Um, which is poor form, whatever way you look at it. And they've got Fulham that have been improving recently, back-to-back wins, um, had that freak result against Barnsley, but have been pretty good since then. I, despite the home advantage, I can't see Bristol City getting anything from this. I think it, it's two teams going in different directions. Only nine points separating at the moment, but I think at the end of the season, it'll be a lot more than that. So I'm going to go for the Fulham win. Yeah, I agree with you. I think for the reasons you mentioned, seeing Fulham in the second half against us, you know, back to what I expected from them. A couple of wins on the bounce as well. And when I saw him away at Millwall a few weeks ago, I thought they looked very assured. And Tom Kearney absolutely ran the game. So I think, yeah, they'll have a bit too much for Bristol and I'll predict a Fulham away win in that one. Uh, second game, Charlton at home to Middlesbrough. Obviously, Charlton coming off the back of that 4-0 defeat at Huddersfield. Middlesbrough getting that good point against Nottingham Forest. As we've seen, though, with Middlesbrough this season, they have struggled to, to put a run together. How do you see that game going? Do you think Middlesbrough can sort of carry on this this bit of momentum that they're slowly building up? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, an interesting game, this one uh, as well. They're all interested at this point. We're now into the running. It's going to be uh, fun, whatever happens. Um, I think Cholton are the team I've expected to be pulled into relegation zone for so long that, that it might finally be their time. Um, still, Still uncertain about Middlesbrough, but saw improvement from them. As I said, and it seems that the team were fighting for Jonathan Woodgate. This is, a, I think, this is a game they've got to go and win. If they go and win, they they take they overtake Cholton. Uh, Cholton probably looking at it in a similar way. Um, Cholton's record at home in these games seems to be quite good. They've beaten Luton and Barnsley recently, um, and seem to be quite good against teams around them. 
but I think I'm going to go for the middles for a win. I think they've just got too much quality to go to go down when you when you compare them to to Hull and, and Charlton. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to go for the for the middles for a win in this one. Two away wins so far for me. Yeah, well, I'm going to go exactly the same again, which I, I can't remember the last time we've agreed on the first two previews. I think Middlesbrough, as you mentioned, they've got a little bit too much quality. And obviously the league position doesn't show that at the moment. But I think coming off the, the back of each team's last result, I think Middlesbrough will be looking to sort of pull away now. Very good point against Nottingham Forest, as we touched on at the top of the show. And Charlton coming off a 4-0 defeat against the team around them and... We're getting to that stage of the season now where we're looking at six pointers, and I think this is potentially one of them. Um, certainly for Middlesbrough, who are occupying that last relegation zone at the moment, so I think they will go to Charlton, get the win, and not pull clear, but you know, a win for them there could take them as high as as 18th, depending on sort of the scoreline and what other teams around them do. So there's real incentive there for Middlesbrough, and I think they'll just have a little bit too much for. For Charlton, and then the final game um, as we go to it is Wigan against Luton again on Saturday. Another sort of six-pointer down near the bottom. How do you see this one going, Jake? Wigan been you know all right in the last few weeks. They've slowly put points on the board, and obviously Luton at the bottom at the moment. Do you expect a Wigan home win, or do you expect Luton to go there and get something? This is this might even be the the pick of the matches this weekend for me. I think it's going to be. Uh, one that tells us a lot about both teams. I think Luton are the team that need to win. Uh, five points adrift now. Uh, been on a good run, three wins out of their last five, but I think they need to go there and, and win on, on Saturday and, and pull Wigan closer to them. That said, Wigan have, have got three good wins and managed to keep clean sheets in all of them against teams above them in the table. The the wins over West Brom and Millwall particularly are quite impressive. Even before that, they, they drew their previous two um against Cardiff and Middlesbrough. So they, they're in good form. Three back-to-back clean sheets. And and I think Wigan are just in that place now where they're going to pull away from it. Um, not sure about Luton, but I think Wigan have definitely got it in them. I spoke last week about Middlesbrough, uh, about Wigan's home form not being too good, and that's why I didn't fancy them. Uh, they obviously went and won. Uh, but it's their home form that I said at the time is going to keep them up, and I think that they're going to win this weekend and put some distance between them and the bottom three. So, yeah, I'm going to go for for the home win. Well, there we go. So we, we've got three. There's uh, the same sort of result this week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a Wigan win as well, I think. If this was at Luton, I may sway the other way, especially with sort of the Kenilworth Road atmosphere. But I think, yeah, I can't see anything past the Wigan win in this one. I think it will be a good game of football. Both teams are quite good going forward. It's just at the back where they've, they've, you know, really got themselves into a mess this season. So I think, yeah, Wigan home win for me. I think, yeah, I agree with you. It could be one of the, the games of the weekend, this. And I'm sure when we're talking about this game next week, as we're sort of rounding up, it will be one of the ones that we mentioned. But, yeah, I'm going to go for a Wigan home win. I think they've just got a little bit more quality than Luton at the moment. And I think that'll sort of tell on the day. But I do expect this to be, you know, a, a, a game where each team gets you know, a couple of goals, and it's quite an entertaining one. Um, but with that, we're out of time. If you want to let anyone know, Jake, any projects you're involved in, any social, now's a good time. Yeah, you can get me on Twitter, at Jack with two ends. I'll post anything I do there. Um, I'll be on the Premier League show this weekend, so give that one a listen when it's out, and I'll be talking all about Newcastle getting to a quarterfinal of an FA Cup, so that'll be great. But yeah, cheers for listening, and I'll be back next week.
Yeah, and you can follow me on my Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. Uh, mainly tweet about German football and Preston North End, so give me a follow if you're into any of that. And more importantly, you can get us on our show page, which is at Championship Pod. Each episode is our pinned tweet, so give us a follow and you won't miss an upload. Cheers for joining me today, Jake, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.